you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant. Still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. Got a big show for you, as always, on this Monday. We are joined by producer Justin and the specialists. You have a cast of dozens behind the scenes. Uh, and shout out to producer Hytham, who uh, is on his way to becoming a dad for the second time. So congrats to uh, to Hytham and Kayla and the whole family, Hendrix, all of you guys over there. We miss you. Uh, want you back soon, but want everybody to be safe and healthy. Uh, and uh, looking forward to you being part of Team No Sleep yet again for the second time. So uh, have fun with that. Um, <laughs> and of course, joined here on screen uh, in boxes uh, with my pal, Michael F. Florio. And uh, Florio, I think, the, I think the Bills just scored again while I was doing that introduction there. I put out on Twitter last night, Marcus, it's weird living in a world where the Bills are the best team in the NFL. And I had some people, you know, mention in my mentions, like, they're not the best. They're still the Bucks and these other. And I'm like, hey, let me enjoy this one. The Bills just <laughs> went into Kansas City and routed the Chiefs. Like, it wasn't even close in the second half. I am, uh, I'm pretty excited about them right now. Absolutely, you should be. They looked fantastic uh, on Sunday Night Football. As you said, they dominated Kansas City pretty much from start to finish. Even a long lightning delay couldn't slow down uh, that <laughs> Buffalo offense. And uh, they very much are in the mix. Maybe they're not the best team, but they're certainly in the conversation. Um, we talked about the Chargers before the show, too. They are, they're very much in that conversation, too, uh, after what they did against the Browns uh, on Sunday afternoon at SoFi Stadium. Um we have plenty to talk about, though, on this show. We will hand out some way-too-early fantasy awards uh, as we get ready to wrap up Week 5. We will pick the new hotness off the waiver wire, and, of course, we will preview the Monday night game tonight between the Colts and the Ravens. But first, let's get started with some fantasy headlines, shall we? We will start... In Seattle, where the news is not great for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson expected to be back around week 10. He is going to have finger surgery. Of course, if you watched the game on Thursday night, you saw Wilson and that finger uh, after he hit it on Aaron Donald, uh, just looking kind of sideways and pretty gross. So that means we got the Geno Smith show for the next several weeks there in Seattle. First question is a simple one. Would you add Geno Smith to any rosters anywhere? Uh, I, I think Geno Smith is in play in two quarterback formats. In any league where you have to start two QBs, super flex, whatever the case may be. I mean, he came out and looks great this past Thursday, Marcus. And uh, if it, if Tyler Lockett doesn't fall on that one play that led to an interception, maybe he leads a comeback. Who knows? But he was definitely playing great. I will say, though, in one quarterback leagues, I think you probably have better options out there either on the waiver wire or maybe there's a team out there that has a stud starting quarterback and a good backup that you could swing a trade with. I think in a one QB league, you could do better than Geno Smith, but in two, he is definitely in play. 
I, I would agree with that. I think what we saw from him on Thursday, it was very nice, as you mentioned. He played well. Uh, part of it was, I think, the element of surprise. I mean, the Rams obviously hadn't prepared for Geno Smith. That's not what they were looking for. Um, but, you know, the long and short of it is we have sort of seen the Geno Smith movie. Um, you know, there is a, a reason now that uh, he has kind of turned into a career backup. And I think over the long haul, it's going to be hard to trust him on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm sort of with you there. If you're talking to two quarterback league, I think he's worth a shot. But I think in more standard, more traditional leagues, um, you're probably looking else on the waiver wire if you need quarterback help, if you lost Russell Wilson uh, and you need to, to find a replacement for him. Um, but if we're not doing the Geno Smith thing, which I think most people aren't, uh, a lot of people are still about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So how worried should we be about these guys for the next you know five or six weeks? I think you have to lower them a, your expectations for them a bit until Russell Wilson comes back. The good news is Geno Smith's top targets in, in the limited action he saw in week five were Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So he is clearly still going to throw those guys the ball a bunch. Uh, but I think it takes them. They were both like in the wide receiver one discussion with Russell Wilson. I think you got to lower them more into like that wide receiver two range, maybe just outside the top 12 for DK Metcalf, a little bit lower for Tyler Lockett. But uh, I, I'm still thinking, like, as of right now, if I have those guys in week six, I'm probably starting them just based on how good those two are alone. And I want to see a full game with them, with Geno Smith, before I really even consider taking them out of my lineup. I mean, the the gap in targets between the top two and everybody else is pretty significant. I mean, you've got Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf with 38 targets, uh, Lockett with 35. The next closest is Freddie Swain at, uh, at 15. So it is a concentrated offense, which I think is the thing that at least – offers you some hope even with Geno Smith. It's not like he's going to go out and start spraying the football around to, you know, the Will Disleys of the world, um, you know, and getting those guys more involved. It is still going to run mostly through Metcalf and Lockett. So the targets, the opportunity are going to be there. Um, I think the yards might not be there. I don't expect to see Geno Smith throwing up moon balls downfield uh, for Tyler Lockett the way that Russell Wilson was. So that's uh, probably where the biggest hit comes in terms of, of their fantasy production. Uh, speaking of fantasy production, it just went south for the Giants uh, in terms of injuries on Sunday. Saquon Barkley leaves the game after stepping on someone's foot and rolling his ankle. Uh, Daniel Jones left with a concussion after just taking a, a wicked hit uh, trying to scramble near the goal line. Kenny Galladay had a hyperextended knee. He ends up leaving the game. We're still sort of waiting on word for what happens for all these guys long term, but um, I mean, this is a team, Florio, that already had lost uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton to injuries. They ended up losing Kadarius Tony late in the game because he threw a punch at somebody after having just what was a ridiculously good day. Uh, I mean, with this latest round of injuries, does this mean we're totally out on the Giants offense now? I, I am not out fully out on this offense yet because there's still two pieces that that are interesting to me. But Marcus, real like every Friday we give out a DFS lineup on Fantasy Live, and I went with a Giants triple stack this week and had all three of these players <laughs> in my DFS lineup. I'm just bad luck, I guess. Whoever I pick, do not get in your DFS lineups. But I feel really bad for Saquon Barkley because he had just worked his way back from a really severe injury. And if anyone says he's injury prone, you're just telling on yourself that you clearly didn't see how he got hurt. I mean, that could happen to anyone. He just stepped on someone else's foot, rolled the ankle. They showed it 
uh, afterwards, and it looked pretty bad. But I-, I expect them to be cautious with their franchise running back. And I know we usually say most teams have a franchise quarterback. The Giants have a franchise running back. But <laughs> I think they will be cautious. And, and at the very least, I think Devontae Booker will be the lead back next week. And I'm interested in that. He played. He dominated the snaps. He found the end zone. He saw enough touches that I think at least warrants him being a flex option in week six. And then Kadarius Tony. I know we're going to talk more about him later when we talk about waiver wire, but I think it's hard to ignore him with the game that he just had. Besides that, I think Evan Ingram in deep leagues, just because they're so thin right now at the receiver position, if if Galladay and Shepard and Slayton are all out again. But after that, yeah, like I'm no interest in Glennon or any of those other pass catchers there. I mean, they, they need Shepard and Slayton back in the worst way. Hopefully one or both of those guys can come back next week. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully none of these injuries are really serious, although uh, I know the early talk is that Saquon could miss a couple games, maybe up to four weeks potentially, uh, but it's not as bad as originally feared. So that is at least a positive, but it's definitely frustrating for the Giants. It's frustrating for fantasy managers um, and uh, just just to confirm, we want no parts of Mike Glennon, right? We're, we're, we're not doing yeah. that. No parts of Mike Lennon. (laughs) Okay. Um, A quarterback that we do like, though, is Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. He was hospitalized with a possible throat contusion, which uh, he was not the only NFL player that had a throat contusion on on Sunday. In fact, he's not even the only NFL player whose team is based in Ohio uh, that had a throat contusion. Uh, He's a a Browns linebacker that uh, also... Jeremiah Owosu Koromora uh, also had a throat contusion, which is it's not a common injury. So for two guys to suffer it in the same day yeah. is uh, a little bit of a weird co- coincidence. Um, still trying to figure out what this means long term. But if if Burrow can't play next week against the Lions, which is a great matchup, um, how do we handle the wide receivers there in Cincinnati? Yeah, well, my my first question is, like, did Joe Burrow play through this yesterday? Because if I had to guess, I would guess that it happened on that play where he got hit in the legs, the head, and then bounced off the turf and, and stayed in the game and played through overtime and stuff. So if that's the case, hopefully we're not talking about Joe Burrow missing time next week. But if he was to miss time because... I can't imagine, like, doing this job with a throat contusion, let alone going out and playing <laughs> football. But if that happens and he misses the game next week against the Lions, I think you could still start Jamar Chase because he has just shown that, I mean, it just takes one deep ball and, and he's going to have a big day. But, like, someone like Tyler Boyd who relies on volume and timing with the quarterback and T. Higgins who was slow to get going yesterday after returning from injury, those two I would be a lot more hesitant to get in my lineup. So I'm still working on the week six rankings, but I'm guessing if Burrow sits, I would end up lowering those guys to more of flex options, not even wide receiver threes probably. Uh, I think, yeah, you're right. Chase is probably the one guy uh, that you feel like maybe is going to be okay, um, but it's it's still kind of dicey, and, and we'll, we'll probably monitor this all week now. Uh, I know some of the early talk is, as long as there's nothing fractured, uh, then Burrow just needs to apparently reduce the swelling in his neck, and, and that's something that can be done relatively quickly. Uh, I know that you know some of the players said that, that Burrow didn't sound like he had any trouble speaking after the game before he went to the hospital, so those are all positive signs. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn last night, um, so I have no idea, but we'll just we'll they, keep an eye on that. They, as uh, They as make it seem so easy, Mark. All he's got to do is reduce the swelling in his right. throat. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, it's always easier when it's somebody else's throat that has to reduce <laughs> the swelling. It is. Last bit of news. This coming out of Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster is done for the season. Suffered a shoulder injury on Sunday. Uh, going to have surgery. That is according to Ian Rappaport. So uh, the year over. Uh, frustrating year for Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, hate to see it, Florio. But now you look at the rest of that Pittsburgh offense. Uh, where do those targets, where do those touches end up going? Yeah, it, it's been a very frustrating year for Juju. The targets were down. The air yards were way down. Uh, it, it, you, you hate to see him leave the game the way he did. But what I think this means for fantasy is uh, we can continue to trust Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. Najee Harris leads all running backs and targets per game. Uh, Deontay Johnson had two targets this week, but still ended up coming through for fantasy with that one long touchdown. I think the big winner here, though, is Chase Claypool because him and Juju had been splitting targets and, and routes, competing to be, you know, the number three weapon behind Harris and Deontay Johnson. And now that's solely going to go to Claypool. He led the team uh, yesterday in receiving yards. So I think he now becomes like a wide receiver three with some upside. But I, I think the real two pieces that we start weekly here doesn't change. It's Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Najee still... Uh... Riding high off that 19-target game early <laughs> in the season. We know Deontay is going to get his work. I think for Claypool, it's still going to be hit or miss. Um, I guess the upside is the volume of targets is going to be really good for the Steelers. It's just the quality of targets that, that you're going to have to worry about uh, when you talk about that Pittsburgh offense. Um, all right, so that gets us to some of the things that we learned after watching football through most of Week 5. And uh, for you, what was one of your takeaways from, from what we saw this week? We were just talking about him, but Jamar Chase, this guy might be a fantasy wide receiver one. Uh, you see their bona fide wide receiver one. That's what producer Justin wanted uh, to go with. And I don't think it's crazy to call him that. He's got 19 targets in the last two games. His target share, Marcus, it started off a little bit slow, but each of the last three weeks, it's been over 27% in each game. So he's getting big time volume. The air yards are through the roof. Like yesterday alone, he had hundred. 99 air yards in that game uh it's been climbing for him as the season has gone on he had four targets of 20 or more air yards alone yesterday i know yesterday was his big game yardage wise of the season with 159 but he has five touchdowns already through five games i know he's not going to finish the year with 17 touchdowns or at least that's not something you could bank on <laughs> but with him getting these deep shots each and every week He's going to have a lot of big blow-up weeks like this. I mean, the guy has already topped 20 fantasy points three times this year. He's never been below 13. At the very least, he is a wide receiver, too, that you could trust each and every week. And I'm thinking more and more performances like this, Marcus. Like, I know he wasn't a wide receiver one in anyone's rankings coming into the year, but it's getting harder and harder to leave him off that list. It really is. And, and watching that game yesterday, he is... Right now, he is Cincinnati's wide receiver one, without a doubt. And you can just see that connection between him and Burrow. I mean, even on the long touchdown pass, it was, uh, it was kind of a scramble drill, right? I mean, nothing was open early. Burrow rolled out. Chase kind of went with him, and they connected deep downfield. And that that's happening regularly. And that's where Joe Burrow is going when he gets in trouble. It's a guy that he trusts. Um, and you're right. And, and what is a fun offense to watch, too. So uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on, on them all season long. I will say that for me... Justin Herbert is now officially an elite quarterback. Uh, you know, he, he 
went last year and we were sort of surprised by what he was able to do. We're like, okay, well, it was exciting. Uh, there's a new offensive coordinator. Let's see if he can do it again. And the first two weeks, fantasy-wise, weren't very special. I think he put, he put up around 13 points in each of the first two games. Since then, has been absolutely lights out. I don't know if it's that he just has gotten comfortable in the system, uh, if it just took a couple of weeks to sort of really trust the offense, or if he just you know happened to have a couple of slower, slower games to start the year, but has been on fire over the last three weeks and did it on Sunday against what is a good Browns defense. I mean, helping the Chargers get a big win, put up 47 points. You see that the 42, almost 43 fantasy points uh, against that Cleveland defense. And uh, at this point, I think he really is among the top tier quarterbacks in fantasy. So we're talking about Mahomes and Kyler Murray. And I guess, you know, this year, a guy like Tom Brady. Uh, Justin Herbert is there. And, and you know, Florio, I know people were worried that, you know, maybe he couldn't do it again. Maybe there was a sophomore slump. Um, I feel like after the last three weeks, that, that conversation's kind of over. Oh, yeah, it is definitely over. I mean, through five weeks, the only quarterbacks that have more fantasy points than him is Tom Brady, who I will hold a huge L on, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> and Josh Allen. That's it. Like, you would have anticipated Kyler Murray having more than him, but after yesterday, he fell behind. I think Herbert is up there with all of these quarterbacks that we just said as the elite options in the game. And not only is it Herbert, like, he has made Austin Eckler an elite option. And and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams remain elite options now at the wide receiver position. And then we were talking about the Chargers being one of, if not the best teams in the AFC right now. I know we all wait for the Chargers to go full Chargers, but I think this is a new era. Justin Herbert is not Phillip Rivers. I think that you found a great one in L.A., and you, if you have him on your fantasy team or if you are a Chargers fan right now, you should be feeling great. It was the thing I tweeted yesterday after the game. I mean, the Chargers are 4-1, and one, but maybe the most important or impressive thing to me is the fact that they're not... They're not hashtag chargering this year, right? There are so many of these games that we've seen in the past where something goes wrong, a defensive breakdown, a terrible you know, turnover, an interception, uh, a missed field goal, and the Chargers end up taking a loss. That's not happening this year. And I know there's still a long way to go, but it just feels different with this team. Not, and so you not know, only I, is it know. is it not happening, Marcus, like Brandon Staley is going for it like very aggressively on like fourth down and stuff. It just feels different this year. Yeah. Um, did you see Mike Williams being the wide receiver one <laughs> at this point in the season? No. I And I was someone who was very high on Mike Williams. I have him on a bunch of teams, but no. And uh, I traded him for Stefan Diggs. Uh, in a league, in a in, in a league last week, and a lot of people on Twitter were like, "Oh, great trade!" Didn't feel like a great trade for me this past week. <laughs> I guess I should be honest. He's not the wide receiver one yet. I think he's still like two points, two and a half points behind Cooper Cup. But uh, either way, the fact that I don't think anybody predicted that Mike Williams uh, would be this guy at this point in the season. Time for a break. When we come back, we will talk about some of the top performers from week five, including the aforementioned Mike Williams. He was definitely on that list with what he did against the Cleveland Browns. You got that and plenty more as we roll on on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's take a look at some of the top performers for week five. We talked about Justin Herbert uh, in the opening segment. Tom Brady is at number two. Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things and uh, is at number three. Josh Allen, Mike Williams tied at four with 36 and a half points. Austin Eckler is at six. Miles Gaskin at seven. Antonio Brown, uh, 31 points as the Buccaneers just smashed the Dolphins. Uh, he's at eight. Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry ends up at nine. Kadarius Toney maybe the big surprise of week five. Uh, he is at number 10 with just a shade under 30 fantasy points in week five. So let's talk about some of these big performances uh, from this past week. Miles Gaskin was on that list. And I know a lot of people said they had dropped Miles Gaskin. And I, I can't say that I blame anybody. I mean, he looked like he was sharing time. He hadn't really produced much to start the season. Then he goes off for a huge game. So are we buying back in or are we going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? I am not buying back into this one performance. He still wasn't used a whole bunch on the ground. Yeah, 10 targets, 10 catches is great until you realize that it was with Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tungavailoa is on track to return next week. Um, so if he's back, I think the offense does look a lot different than it does with Jacoby Brissett. It was. I think this was just more of a, a game where they were really thin at receiver. They were without Devontae Parker. They were at, without Will Fuller against a Bucks defense that was getting a lot of pressure and stopping the run. So what do you do? You just do those short little dump-offs to your running back. I, I don't anticipate this being an every-week thing. I think if Miles Gaskin was dropped in your league, he is worthy of picking up after what he did this week. But he is not someone that I'm like super excited to get into my starting lineup moving forward. I think he's just more of a weekly flex range option kind of guy I, I keep going back to part of why we liked Miles Gaskin was because last year when he was healthy and starting it was pretty much just him uh, this year the Dolphins aren't doing that they're rotating more guys in uh, yesterday it was Savan Ahmed playing about 20 percent of the snaps we've seen Malcolm Brown uh, get some opportunities although th those seem to be dwindling for him in this offense um, you're right. The 10 targets is just not a thing you can count on every week, especially once Tua gets back. So I think it's, it's you know, I, as a friend of mine who's a Dolphins fan said, uh, you know, I've seen this movie before and it's not, it, it's probably not right to get too excited about Miles Gaskin because this just doesn't feel sustainable. Um, on the other side, as I mentioned, the, the Dolphins just got just drubbed by the Buccaneers on Sunday, Tom Brady with another huge performance and getting pretty much all of his wide receivers involved. Antonio Brown was on that list of the top 10 scorers this week, but Mike Evans had a huge week. Uh, even though Chris Godwin didn't score a touchdown, seven catches for 70 yards, at this point, five games into the season, how do you rank the Bucks' wide receivers? It's pretty tough to rank them. I... I I will put Mike Evans number one, and, and I will admit I've been low on Mike Evans the last couple of years because I've been like, eventually this touchdown pace needs to fall off, but he just keeps it going. So uh, I'm just going to admit he is their number one wide receiver right now. He's got the highest target share, the most targets per game. Uh, they use him a lot in the red zone. He also, they take deep shots with him, which is something that I didn't expect when Tom Brady first came here, but he has proven me very wrong. Uh, I'm still going to put Chris Godwin too, although I will say Godwin and AB is closer than ever. Like AB has a, 
Uh, I'm sorry, Godwin has a higher target share, and he also has the most red zone targets of them. But AB is being used down the field. AB actually has an extra touchdown here, and the targets are pretty close. So I think this is a situation where you start all three of them each week, understanding that one might be the odd man out, and the odd man out might is still going to be a solid game, I would say. All three of them are averaging over 15 fantasy points per game. I think Evans is one, Godwin two, AB three. But that being said, I think all three are weekly starters. I think what you said near the end is maybe the most pertinent part of it, right? That they're all startable, even if one of them doesn't necessarily have the huge game. If you know one or two of those guys don't, um, the way the Bucks offense is rolling right now there is enough volume for all three of those guys to be successful. And that was always my fear coming in, that there just wasn't going to be enough to go around. Now, maybe some of it has to do with a group of running backs that isn't all that exciting. I mean, Ronald Jones is is pretty much persona non grata. Uh, Gio Bernard did score a touchdown, which I know made Cynthia Freeland very happy uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, and then Mike Evans just, but Mike Evans continues to do his thing. I, I know I keep trying to shoehorn Chris Godwin in as the number one guy in this offense and it seems to be that that's not really the case so I think uh, upon further review my rankings for them look just like yours with Evans at one Godwin at two Antonio Brown at three but you know I think on any given number you can toss three names in a hat pull one out and that's going to be the guy so uh, yeah. I guess it's 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 a double-edged sword if you've got a Bucks wide receiver they're worth starting every week but uh, just know that when the roulette wheel spins it might not land on your guy for any given week that doesn't mean you should panic or freak out or uh, or anything like that. A um, couple years ago, Marcus, we were saying Brady could play till he's like forty five. At this point, do we just say Brady could play until Brady doesn't want to play anymore? Because, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that's it. Like you know, Father Time. I keep you know. I always said Father Time comes for everybody except Frank Gore, but apparently Tom Brady has figured out how to stiff arm him as well. Um, yeah, and, and he's going to be the one to dictate when he leaves. So often the league retires you, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen uh, with Tom Brady. No. So that was the good. That gets us to the bad, and I'm salty, the guys that uh, we are disappointed in from this past week. And, and I'm going to start with Brandon Cooks, because after the first three weeks or so, we just felt like Brandon Cooks was, was invincible. And yeah, I knew that those huge performances that we were getting from him week in and week out weren't necessarily going to uh, continue on. But uh, to go from being so solid at the start of the year, right, the first three weeks, you got 18, 22, and 20. Uh, you're getting a ton of targets. You were getting big yardage totals. You even got a touchdown in there. I, you know, I didn't expect it to fall off to where it is. You got you 9.7 in week four and then just 5.3 on Sunday. And that was in a game where Davis Mills looked good against the, the New England Patriots. Uh, I, I have a lot of Brandon Cooks everywhere. And just to see that, that 5.3 just sitting there like a, a log uh, was not all that great. So I, I'm, I'm frustrated. I hope it gets better because the Texans offense still has issues regardless of what happened yesterday. But uh, yesterday was not a good day for Brandon Cooks. No, I think it gets better, though, for him because the last two weeks have been really tough matchups for him, like the Bills with Trey White in that secondary and then the Patriots, which we know Bill Belichick is going to game plan to take Brandon Cooks away. Uh, I think those were two of the tougher matchups for Cooks. He's going to be very up and down this year, I think, um, but I do expect him to bounce back after. It, it was just weird, Marcus. We expected the Texans offense as a whole to struggle and Cooks to be all right, and it was the exact <laughs> opposite yesterday against the Patriots. Um 
Something else we expected yesterday that had me salty was we thought the Jaguars passing game with DJ Chark out would now be funneled through Marvin Jones Jr. and LaVisca Chenault against the Titans, who had allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers coming into the year, they, they uh, to the week. They struggled against receivers in the slot and out wide, and it didn't matter. The two of them yesterday combined for just eight targets. They had two catches between the two of them. Marvin Jones had a 25-yard catch. And then Chenault had this catch you're watching here where he breaks all of the tackles. He he makes it into almost to the goal line and then like celebrates looking like a beast after. And my mind was like, why would you see that and be like, let's not get this guy the ball more? <laughs> I mean, eight targets between the two of them. When Dan Arnold and uh, Agnew each have eight targets themselves, it makes no sense. I'm not ready to give up on Marvin Jones Jr. just yet, but I definitely think you could get him onto your bench right now because things have just gone from bad to worse for the Jaguars passing game. At least these top targets were reliable early on. The last couple of weeks, they've been anything but. I, you know, I, that one hurts my soul because I made a big show of saying I'm back in on LaVisca Chenault this, this past week. And then to see him just get three targets, only the one catch, um, yeah, that that is frustrating. I can't, I can't figure out what's going on in Jacksonville. I don't. Like, they, uh, even James Robinson, right? I mean, he was starting to get hot again. He gets just six carries in the second half. Um, I don't, I don't understand what's happening there. Uh, one more, uh, Sam Darnold. And I don't know that it's fully on Sam, but he certainly didn't help the situation on Sunday. I, going back and watching that game, the Eagles, who had kind of an inconsistent pass rush, they got a ton of pressure on Sam Darnold on Sunday and forced him into some really bad throws. He had three interceptions uh, in the game. In fact, the last couple of weeks have not been great throwing the football for Darnold. He was so hot to start the year. Now, the last two weeks or so, he's kind of started to turn the football over again. Uh, and some of it has to do with poor decision-making. A lot of it, though, has to do with he has continually had pressure in his face. The offensive line starting to struggle in pass protection, and now you're starting to see the old Sam Darnold come out again. So uh, I'm definitely frustrated. Plus, he didn't, you know, he didn't score the rushing touchdown, which isn't a huge surprise to me because it just felt kind of unsustainable. Um, but if they're not protecting him and he's not being able to get the football out to DJ Moore, uh, to Robbie Anderson, then it's a little bit worrisome. Maybe that changes when Christian McCaffrey is back. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, after after we were singing Sam Darnold's praises last week, uh, that came back to bite us pretty bad uh, on Sunday. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I lost a couple of leagues because I started him. And uh, if I went with the other quarterback I had on my roster, it might have been a different story. So I'm with you there, Marcus. I was pretty salty watching Sam Darnold in the Panthers yesterday. Yeah, really, really frustrating. Well, it is week five. Week five almost over, minus the Monday night game. And that felt like a good time to kind of hand out some way too early fantasy awards through the first uh, five, almost five full weeks of the season. So let's start. Let's just start at the top with the fantasy MVP, the guy that you are grateful, most grateful for having on your roster. And uh, Florio, for you, who is that at this point in the year? It is Mike Williams for me. I mean, Mike Williams has topped 22 fantasy points in four of his five games. He's topped 33 
twice. He had that monstrous game yesterday. He has been so good, Marcus, that he is just two points behind being the wide receiver one. He's ahead of Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and he has a game this year with two fantasy points. I know week four was rough, but he did, just like you see this play right here on your screen, he had one just like that where he burned the defender, was wide open. Justin Herbert just missed him for what could have been an 80-plus yard touchdown. If he comes down with that one too, I think he is unquestionably the MVP. But being the wide receiver two on the year, as a guy that you were able to draft in the 8th, ninth, 10th round in some drafts, I think if you have Mike Williams on your roster right now, you're probably sitting at at the very least at 3-2, and 4-1, and one, maybe even a little bit better than that and feeling really good about your team moving forward. Yeah, I mean, just the return for the draft capital you spent uh, certainly puts him in that conversation. I, I liked him too. I definitely did not anticipate that he would be doing this uh, through the first five games for the Chargers. I'm going to go with my MVP. I'm going to go with the one guy that has been better than him at the position, even if only by a couple of points, and that's Cooper Cup. Um, obviously, you drafted Cup a lot higher than you drafted Mike Williams, but yeah, we were arguing, you know, what, what was it going to be with Matt Stafford? How would they distribute the targets between Cup and Robert Woods? What we didn't know is that Cooper Cup was going to show up with like bagels and coffee every day and become Matt Stafford's best friend to the point that even you know the quote-unquote bad games are still pretty good I mean his lowest total has been 11 points uh, on Thursday night when it was the Robert Woods squeaky wheel game Cup still had seven catches for 92 yards it didn't feel like it but you look at the, the box score and you're like oh he actually had a pretty decent game. He just happened to be overshadowed by his teammate who had an even bigger game. And so at this point, Cooper Cup is still the number one favored option for Matthew Stafford. I think this continues all year. Um, you know, and like we don't really talk about wide receivers as being MVP types, even at this point in the season. So I think that speaks volumes uh, to what uh, Williams and Cup have done so far. So um, let's keep the, the positive feelings rolling. Who has been the biggest pleasant surprise to this point in the year for me it's Cordero Patterson like he went from being an afterthought that went undrafted in fantasy to being the RB3 on the year only behind Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler Austin Eckler was my runner up for at fantasy MVP right now but Patterson it I mean they're using him near the goal line they're getting him carries they're they're heavily involving him in the passing game right now he be, has become a waiver wire pickup that you could just start each and every week whether he's rb or wide receiver eligible on whatever site you play on you get him in your starting lineup he has been that good right now and it showed yesterday like they had a big fourth down play early in the game against the jets and they went to patterson he is right now one of their most trusted playmakers i don't see him slowing down anytime soon I, I love that pick, too. And I, Cordero Patterson just, like, I, there were a couple of these where I drafted him late just sort of as a, like, a, hey, you I mean, he's theory the RB2 to Mike Davis. Like, hey, maybe just give him a shot. Did not expect that he would be a guy that has carried fantasy teams through the last few weeks. And I know it took a lot of people a couple of weeks to, to kind of clue in, but I think everybody's sort of on board. Um, and it's been, it's been amazing to watch as Arthur Smith and that offensive staff have figured out how to uh, unlock Cordero Patterson. So if uh, with him off the board, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Um, I like Jalen Hurts. I thought he could be a fringe QB one, but I thought he was a guy we were talking about as like, you know, the QB 11 or 12, Uh, not the QB five where he currently is. And it continues. 
it doesn't matter what the Eagles do. Jalen Hurts is going to get you 20 fantasy points. In that game against Carolina, the offense was stagnant. The whole offense, it looked like they shrunk the field. Everything was horizontal. Uh, they weren't really taking chances down the field when they did. They weren't, there weren't great deep balls. But in the end... Jalen Hurts gets you 22, almost 23 fantasy points. I know Cynthia Freeland uh, does a segment where you know she, she sort of sort of builds a house. She talks about the player's floor and the player's ceiling. Jalen Hurts lives in a tiny house because the floor and the ceiling really aren't that far apart. His floor has been 20 points. His ceiling so far has been about 28, 29 points. It is just as consistent as as you can be. Um, I, I mean, I know you were part of the Hurts fan club, but but I, did you did you predict top five at this point in the year? I thought top five was his upside, but I'll say this, like he's top five, Marcus, and I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. Like he's had multiple games where he has not played great at all. And he's admitted it like yesterday, this guy, I, I was getting ready to tweet. I was going to have a tweet plan. Like we say Jalen Hurts scores 20 fantasy points every week through three quarters of today, 0.84 points. Cause that is what he had with like two minutes left in the third quarter. And he still finished with over 20 fantasy points because of what he could do with his legs. I think he is a QB one that you start each and every week. And his upside might even be higher than QB five, because this is how he looks. He's putting up QB five numbers right now. And I don't think he's playing anywhere close to his best football. The other part of it is he's had a number of touchdowns called back because of penalties. Like you, you watch the Eagles, and it just seems like every week there's a, a penalty that takes a touchdown off the board. So that would even change his numbers. He'd be maybe even higher uh, than he currently is. All right. So that's enough being positive. Uh, time to be a couple of Debbie Downers here. Uh, so we talked about the positive, the good surprises. Uh, who is somebody who has been a not-so-good surprise so far? A.J. Brown. And and while we're oh. talking about A.J. Brown, let's talk about the entire Titans passing game. Look, Derrick Henry is the RB1. He's doing what Derrick Henry was supposed to do. But we thought that this passing game was going to go to new levels this year. It's done the exact opposite. Ryan Tannehill is the QB21 on the year. I know that A.J. Brown missed some time. But through three games, A.J. Brown doesn't have a game with over 50 yards. He has just one touchdown on the year. Uh, Julio Jones, he had one big game in, in like week two or three, but he's been banged up and missing time since then. I am someone, Marcus, who was pretty high on this passing game. I invested a lot in Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, uh, took late shots on Anthony Ferkser. None of it has worked out. This offense is the same as it's always been. You want to get Derrick Henry. He's an obvious must start. And the other guys... Not not so great. I mean, none of them have lived up to expectations so far. I'm getting people on Twitter saying, like, I want to drop A.J. Brown. Calm down. We're not doing that. <laughs> he is still a guy that you, you start pretty much weekly. But, yeah, he has been a big disappointment the first five weeks. I, I'm sorry, Producer Justin. I, I know you are a huge Titans fan, but this, this past game has been anything but fun to watch early on. I mean the the catch rate for AJ Brown. He's at forty percent catch rate, and that that feels I don't think that's that good. feels unsustainable, right? It's it's not good, but it also doesn't feel like it's something that's going to continue all year long. Um, you know, another another poor game on Sunday. What I think he had three catches for thirty eight yards, something like that. It it wasn't good. Um, you're right. This has been a major disappointment. Maybe once Julio Jones comes back and everybody's healthy and they're ready to go, maybe it gets better. But this was not at all uh, what I expected. Uh, similarly. Brandon Ayuk, um, there was a tweet going around on Sunday that says, you know, Brandon Ayuk has seven catches, Trayvon Diggs has six. 
<laughs> like that's not that is not what anybody anticipated. I was a huge Brandon Ayuk proponent this offseason. I was drafting him, you know, in the the fifth or sixth round. I was definitely taking him ahead of Debo Samuel. That was a swing and a miss. Um, you know, the year began with Ayuk just in the the Kyle Shanahan doghouse, not able to get on the field, not getting a whole lot of looks. He's playing more snaps. He's still not getting a lot of targets. They're just not getting the football to him, and and this has been a big, big swing and a miss. I would also sort of add on a lesser uh, lesser note, Trey Sermon, who I, I know a lot of us got really, really excited about in the preseason, but but he, he just has not been a part of what the 49ers are doing. Um, it's hard to trust Kyle Shanahan, man. I can't I can't trust him anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I Brandon Ayuk, I, I was saying I think he gets more volume with George Kittle out. Nope. Uh, Trey Sermon, I mean, Elijah Mitchell came back and Trey Sermon saw the field two plays. Like, yeah. I, I think both of them are guys you could get away from on your fantasy roster right now. Like, the only thing that you're holding on to them for is hope that things change moving forward. And realistically, they're just taking up a spot on your – a valuable roster spot on your fantasy team. I mean, it takes – it, it takes so much for Trey Sermon just to get on the field right now. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he can go back to the waiver wire. Uh, speaking of waiver wire, who so far has been the best pickup off the waiver wire? I think it's been Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz has now led the Cowboys in targets three straight games in a row. He has eight targets in each of his last two games. And yesterday was like a down game for him because he didn't find the end zone. Six catches for 79 yards. Oh, and he had a drop that should have been a catch. It was a, he was open (laughs) in the end zone. He just dropped it. I'm sure even Dalton Schultz will tell you, yeah, I should have caught that one. So Dalton Schultz, I don't even think he is like a weekly must start at the tight end position, which is the hardest position to find weekly starters. I think Dalton Schultz should be valued as a top five tight end now. Like behind Kelsey and Waller, and and I still think if you want to put like Pitts or Mark Andrews ahead of him, cool. I think that there's a debate though. I think outside the top two guys, you could start to make the case that Dalton Schultz might be the third best fantasy tight end right now. He is just the most targeted player in one of the best offenses in football. I mean, it's amazing too, because this is what we sort of thought for Blake Jarwin last year, and then unfortunately he he got hurt early in the season. I think it was week one actually. He got hurt, uh, lost the whole year, and Schultz, you know, came and stuff that played a nice role. And so we sort of debated, um, you know, who was who was going to be the tight end. What you know, and then, look, there's some folks out there uh, to their credit. I know Ray Garvin, one of them, but several other people who said early on that this was going to be Dalton Schultz's team. Uh, and they were absolutely right, and, and we've seen that the last few weeks especially. Um, for me, uh, Cordero Patterson certainly qualifies as potentially a great waiver wire pickup, but I'm going to lean toward Sam Darnold uh, yesterday, notwithstanding. Obviously, that game against the Eagles was not pretty, um, but you know, we're always looking to stream quarterbacks, and for people who do that, Sam Darnold really has stepped in and played very well. The five rushing touchdowns uh, has gone a long way toward helping him be very productive this year, but also kind of getting comfortable in that Joe Brady offense. Having DJ Moore do what he does has been great. And so uh, if you're looking to stream quarterbacks or if you took a chance on him uh, in a two quarterback or super flex league and you drafted him late, uh, I know a lot of people sort of held their nose and made the pick, uh, but really it it has worked out really, really well. So, uh, you know, I I think it's going to be better. Do, Do you think... Uh, Florio after the last couple of weeks is is this more the Sam Darnold we expect or or does it get back to what we saw closer to what we saw at least the first three weeks 
I, I think it's going to be closer to what we saw early on in the season. Like, I think Sam Darnold is a useful fantasy quarterback. Do I think that he is a set it and forget it type of quarterback? No, I think you play him in like the good matchups and stuff. Is he going to give us 17 rushing touchdowns? No, but that is a part of his game. I, I just, it's more even than Sam Darnold. I just trust the coaching staff in Carolina. I trust the weapons around Sam Darnold. This is the best environment he's ever got to play football in, and he's playing well. So I think it's hard to. To, I think if you're looking at yesterday and saying that's the real Sam Darnold, you had uh, preconceived notions that you kind of want to come true. <laughs> I mean, look, Sam Darnold's still one of the fantasy Rorschach tests. People see what they want to see out of the guy. Uh, and until he goes out and proves one way or another, I think that's, that's always going to be the case. All right, it is break time. When we come back, we'll look at the waiver wire ads potentially for week six. Stay tuned for that on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Time to check out some of the top waiver wire targets as we get ready for week six. At quarterback, Jameis Winston, uh, Matt Ryan. Now, these are guys that you're thinking more long-term with because they're going to be on a bye next week. But uh, in case you're just kind of planning ahead, think Winston and Ryan. Geno Smith, uh, who will be in action next week. He's up there. Your running backs, Khalil Herbert, who stepped in and played well for the Bears uh, on Sunday. Devontae Booker with uh, Saquon Barkley, looking like he's going to be out of action for a few weeks. Alex Collins starting to get more run in Seattle. Sony Michelle. Gio Bernard still doing things. Ramondre Stevenson. Things are kind of muddled right now in that Patriots backfield, especially with Damian Harris uh, leaving with an injury on Sunday. Daryl Williams uh, also in the mix as uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire left with an injury on Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, over to the wide receivers and tight ends. Kadarius Toney, uh, fresh off that huge game. Let's hope he doesn't uh, get suspended for throwing a punch uh, against the Cowboys, but uh, he's on the list. Rondale Moore continuing to get touches. Amon Ross St. Brown starting to pick it up in Detroit. Tim Patrick, Hunter Renfro, Renfro, easy for me to say, uh, and Rashad Bateman uh, at your wide receivers. Then your tight ends, Hunter Henry starting to pick things up. Donald Parham getting some looks there for the Chargers. And then Dan Arnold. It's no longer Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold in Jacksonville, but uh, he's getting targets there uh, with the Jaguars. But I want to talk about Jameis Winston because I know he's on a bye, but I... I can't figure out the Saints, right? Like one week they get a big win, then the next week they look awful. Jameis Winston at first looks terrible, then on Sunday he puts up a couple of touchdowns and some decent passing numbers. What is your confidence level in Jameis right now? Uh, Not the highest, but I, I think after what he did yesterday, he's shown us that he can take advantage of good matchups, and that's what Washington has been. I mean, they've allowed the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. We didn't expect that coming into the year, but it's good to see him take advantage of those type of matchups. Uh, his, this is his second game this year, Marcus, with four or more passing touchdowns. Um, I, And I also think it, it, it's sad to say, but like Taysom Hill getting injured, I think gives a little bit more confidence in Jameis Winston because I was starting to get worried that Taysom Hill could come in and start stealing more work away. Plus, there's a chance that after the bye, Michael Thomas is back, which only helps Jameis Winston. So he is definitely a long-term ad. I know he's on bye this week, but... 
I think he's a quarterback that once the buys start really hitting us, when he he's going to be a quarterback that you could stream in favorable matchups. Yeah, I, you know, he, you're right. He is definitely kind of an emergency quarterback. I think at this point, you talked about the Taysom Hill injury. Um, I I had Taysom as kind of a deep sleeper this week, just because it it felt like. Uh, Sean Payton was sort of trending that direction, but uh, I think now with him on the shelf, we are going to see a whole lot of Jameis. And maybe maybe it just was sort of adjusting to things, right? Maybe we'll see more Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris, or maybe it is just that the Washington defense is really bad, and that's a matchup that we can pick on and, and, and make things happen. Um, Khalil Herbert also on the list, and now I will I will admit to sort of being wrong because I sat here last week and sort of you know thumbs down on Khalil Herbert. A lot of people were sort of pegging him as a guy to keep an eye on. I didn't think it would happen, but um, he had a pretty nice day against the Las Vegas Raiders for the the Bears getting a win uh, on Sunday. So does this mean that you know at least until David Montgomery gets back, is Khalil Herbert going to be a thing in this offense? Yeah, I think so. And what I wrote about him in the waiver article that that is available now on NFL.com, I said, you look at his fantasy points and you see 7.5 and you might not be that intrigued, but he played more snaps than Damian Williams. They were both around 50%, but Herbert just had a slight edge there. He also had 18 carries. I don't care, you know, if he's not utilized in the passing game because I'm normally a guy who wants running backs that can be involved in the passing game and Damian Williams had all three of the running back targets but 18 carries is still great and now I think it it is because the Bears were playing with a lead that is not always going to be the case but when you have a running back splitting snaps and seeing that many touches I think you have to at least uh, be somewhat interested to be putting in a waiver wire claim this week he only had one touch, too, inside the 10-yard line. Damian Williams had three, but seeing him utilized down there and stuff, I, I don't think he is like a smash pick, Marcus, but I definitely think he is someone worthy of taking a shot on just because he's been he was so used yesterday. What I think is interesting is that Khalil Herbert got 18 carries in a game where Justin Fields was the starter. And part of the reason we like Justin Fields is because of his running ability. That's something that Matt Nagy has not tapped into yet this season. I mean, I'm looking at the rushing totals for Justin Herbert or for uh, Justin Fields rather. Uh, week one was three yards. Week two is his high water mark at 31. Week three, 12. Uh, week four, nine, and then Sunday four. He just not had. He has not run the football. They're not really setting up designed runs for him. Um, so as long as that continues, then Khalil Herbert really does have a future in this offense. Um, look, be curious to see what it, what it looks like going forward. But I will admit that I was I was sort of wrong on that one. I didn't think he'd have a role, but uh, but he certainly does. So uh, with that out of the way, if you are you know if you're the top waiver wire waiver wire priority in your league, or if you're gonna you know decide you're gonna empty the clip with your fab budget, although I don't think you should do that necessarily this week. Um, where are you going for your waiver wire target? I think the top, uh, at least at the receiver position for sure, the top ad has to be Kadarius Toney. I mean, 13 targets yesterday, 10 catches, 189 yards. And like you said earlier, Marcus, he was ejected early because he threw a punch. He also headbutted a trainer. He He had an interesting day yesterday. But in the last two weeks, the guy has 22 targets, and he's doing a good job of getting open. The Giants are doing a good job of drawing up plays that can help get him the ball in space. But what I like is coming into the year, I thought he was raw. I thought he was a raw route runner who would be electric with the ball after the catch. And you're seeing that here, that he is that type of running uh, receiver. 
but he's also a better downfield weapon than I gave him credit for. Like, look at this catch right here. Like, this guy is a legit wide receiver. He was a first-round pick. I think the Giants, even as they start to get healthy, I don't think they're going to phase him out because they've invested so much into him, and he's played so well that I think Tony is definitely someone that you should be looking to get right now in waiver wire. And I also want to mention quickly Daryl Williams. I think Daryl Williams is Tony's rival to be the top waiver wire target now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire suffering that injury late in that game yesterday. He's going to be the lead back now on one of the better offenses in football. That is a guy that I would be willing to kind of really empty the clip fab-wise to get on my roster. I, I will say that I, I kind of double down on the Tony thing just because of the way they're using him. And that was the thing Joe Judge said a couple of weeks ago, that they wanted to start getting him more involved. Uh, and I, I think we see that. They just want to get the ball in his hands, get him out in space, and sort of let him be athletic. And so even uh, you know when some of these guys get healthy and come back, um, I think there's still going to be opportunity for Kadarius Tony in, in the passing game. And you were also right about Daryl Williams. Uh, I will say that in the, the very limited time uh, that he was in there uh, on Sunday night, he, he just kind of looked better than Clyde Edwards-Alaire and so I'm, I'm curious how this is going to work even uh, going forward from that but uh, uh, as Florio mentioned he does write the waiver wire column each and every week you can check that out at nfl.com slash waiver wire so uh, you'll see the names that we mentioned uh, you know and maybe even a couple more uh, if you're lucky or if you look really hard or something like that hey are you on the TikTok? If you are, you should come check us out at NFL Fantasy. We are doing all kind of fun stuff over there. You can every now and then see me or Adam Rank. Uh, have you have you done a have you done one of the TikToks yet for our handle, Florio? Have you been? Involved? I haven't, but I'm, I'm I want to do one. I, I'm getting ready. Uh, I'm excited to make my TikTok debut. Yeah. All right. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, go check it out at NFL Fantasy. And if you want, you can always follow me too at Marcus Grant uh, on the TikTok. I dance every once in a while. It's fun. Come join us. Um, I enjoy your speaking videos, of so. Other people Thank will you. too. I appreciate that. Uh, we got Monday Night Football to wrap up week five. It is the Colts and the Ravens. Uh, let's do some over-unders here. So uh, let's set it for Lamar Jackson. Uh, when they played last year, the Colts and the Ravens, uh, Lamar scored 18.6 fantasy points in that game. It feels like a pretty uh, reasonable number. It's about where he's been most of the year. So uh, let's put it 18.6 over-under for Lamar Jackson tonight. I'm going to go over. He He's had a down year, I think, for Lamar's standards. Like he, he has that one big game against the Chiefs, but besides that, he hasn't top 20 fantasy points in any game. But he's never scored below 18 either, so I just need him to get .6 more than his already career, uh, season low. And he is a guy who has a knack for the big stage, and he, he's played really well in his career on Monday Night Football. So I think Lamar Jackson hits over that number tonight. I think he gets over it as well. I think uh, a lot of it may come on the ground. He's, you know, he's been running the football like Lamar will do. Um, you know, I think I think there's even more importance on it because, uh, I mean, look at the guys in the backfield, right? Tyson Williams appears to no longer be a thing, so they're rolling with Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman. Um, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Lamar to make plays with his legs. So I, I think that's where the bulk of the, the production comes from, but I do think he can get you uh, over 18.6 in this one. Um, Marquise Brown, who I think is back to being Hollywood again. Um, although, you know, it's funny. We, we joke about people naming Southern California cities whenever he's not playing well. And um, you and I were sort of talking during the break that uh, for people who aren't from here, uh, haven't been to LA. Like Hollywood's not nice. <laughs> you know, like, uh, some it, of these it has other neighborhoods we've thrown out might be nicer. 
Yeah, it has like this. Uh, it has like this, uh, you know, this great glamorous connotation. But a really, uh, a friend of mine once said, which I think is apropos, like Hollywood is sort of like a dive bar, right? When you're there at night, there's <laughs> lights and there's music and there's people, and you're like, hey, this place seems like kind of fun and cool. And then you see it with the lights on, and you're like, oh, this is where I was last night. Like, it's not, it's not great. But um, I, I digress. Uh, <laughs> back to the, the issue at hand. Fifteen points for uh, Marquise Brown tonight against the Colts, over or under? I think he will go over. And and on the Hollywood thing, real quick, for those who haven't been here, uh, if you've been to Times Square, I kind of compare it to that, a place that you don't really want to go more than once. And unfortunately, Marcus, (laughs) I've had to walk the stars many a time since I have moved out here and had people come visit. But on Hollywood Brown, he is... He has had 19 or more fantasy points in three out of four games. He's got a touchdown in all three of those, so maybe he does need to find the end zone to get over that point threshold tonight. But I think he'll get a couple of deep shots. He is looking like the new number one target in this offense. He's had all the success that uh, I was hoping Mark Andrews would have this year. Yeah, I mean, he definitely looks better. I'm going to go under, not by a lot, but uh, I, I think you know, I think he has a good game. I, I think the touchdown or the lack of a touchdown keeps him under 15 points. But I am encouraged by the way they're using him. Uh, for, for Brown, it's just a matter of whether he catches the football or not. <laughs> so much of his success uh, or failure has sort of been predicated on his own hands. Uh, but I do see a, a pretty decent game coming, just no touchdown, so I'm going to go under uh, slightly on, on the 15 points. Uh, last one, and I, you know, I, I tweaked this a little bit because I wanted to see where I could go to see if I could get you to go under on Jonathan Taylor. Um, so 17 points. Uh, I think the last time they played, he actually only scored like 6.8. So he was sort of kept in check by Baltimore, but that that seemed like an easy over. So let's go 17 over under for Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to go over, and I, I don't think this is a surprise to you or anyone listening. I, <laughs> I I still expect really good things out of Jonathan Taylor. This year he's been a little up and down, over 17 fantasy points in two games, less than nine fantasy points in the other two. It really comes down to the usage. Like In his two good games, he had 19 or more touches. In his two bad games, it was 11 and 16. So I, I think this is a game where the Colts are going to look to establish the run early on, kind of control the clock, try to keep Lamar Jackson in that offense on the sideline. So I expect to see a lot of Jonathan Taylor early on. He found the end zone for the first time last week. He still leads, at least heading into week five. He led the NFL in touches inside the 10-yard line. Hadn't turned any of them into a touchdown yet. I think that changes, though. I think he finds the end zone tonight, so I'll go over on that. So I, I'm saying under, but I don't feel comfortable with that. I mean, he very well could go go over. Um, I think part of it is because against the Ravens, I don't expect Baltimore to put up a ton of points. This isn't going to be a game where you're you're going to be forced to the air if you're Indianapolis to win. So that means maybe less uh, reliance on Naheem Hines. Maybe this does mean more touches for Jonathan Taylor. And again, sort of like with Marquise Brown, it's an issue of whether or not he gets the touchdown. If he gets the touchdown, then I think he does go over. Um, but, you know, I think this will be a relatively low-scoring game, um, but it does, I think, involve both teams trying to run the football. Uh, so, I, like I said, I'm going under. I don't feel 100% confident on that, but uh, that is where I stand <laughs> as we as we enter this, uh, enter this thing. Um... So, I mean, week five has been interesting. I mean, look, we started this with the Bills. Might as well end it with the Bills. Do you believe, I mean, being objective here, are they the best team in the AFC? I think, I think it's them or the Chargers. Like, I, I think the Browns uh, and the Chiefs and the Ravens, they, like, they're not going to go away and they're going to be – the AFC, I think, is really tough. 
Um, any of those teams could end up winning it. But as of right now, I think the Bills and the Chargers stand alone as the top two teams in the in the conference. Well, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Still a lot of football to be played, but uh, should be fun as we head into the later months of the season. For us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, whatever happened to old Zealand? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.